Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Rodcast. I'm here sitting with Pastor Rod and we are talking uh, today about a place, a church that the next generation will grow up and love our kids, uh, can grow up and love God. Uh, So Pastor Rod, yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about what this value means and then maybe we'll get into kind of where where that's come from and and, uh, some other things. It's just been a, 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 an amazing thing that wherever Viv and I have been, that always young people come um, and we're not trying to be trendy or cool or young, but it's something that just has happened, whether it's in Australia or Thailand or here in Japan. And I do, I do think it comes from somewhere very deep in Viv and I, in that we both come from uh, non-Christian families and I got saved at 19, she got saved I think at 16 or 17. And so, uh, you know, young people, and there were certain factors that drew us to Jesus. And we just loved those factors. Um, and there were also factors back then that um, might have been a stumbling block to us. Um, mm. So I don't know how much you want to talk about the stumbling block, but there are stumbling blocks to people who are not going to come. But I think the, the, the attractive force of a church that loves young people is 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 incredible and i just think we got saved as young adults and we went to a church full of young adults back then and for me 1979 have a bit later when she got saved um you know we didn't meet each other till uh, you know years later but we went to churches that were actually designed to reach youth and and not just like put on a good show like disciple youth disciple young people to love jesus and love his word and and I guess that just as we became leaders and then pastors, we just thought, almost thought, I guess, doesn't everybody do that? And I don't mean that in any arrogant way. It's not like we're saying we're better, but it just is our story, is that we got saved and um, as young adults, and there's just a lot in that that's just, I don't know, it just continues in our heart. Are we giving young people a chance to hear the gospel? Are we giving them the best chance to to know Jesus? Are we giving them the best chance to, to know the Bible? Can we make it easier? Not compromise, but can we make it easier? And so this is a, a filter, I guess. It's the answer to your question. I think we have a filter of young people. And then, of course, we had young children, and um, our young children had a great kids' church in Australia, in our church. And we came to Japan, and we had nothing. We had no other kids. And so the question that we asked coming here was, how can we have a church that our kids will love? So we can talk about that a bit later, but you're mm. talking about w- the why. It's just our story that mm. we just we just uh, love young people. We feel that we've we've got um, an affinity with them. Um, we're maybe even called. Maybe there's a calling there. Um, I don't understand it, but we just love it. So that so has that been something that's come quite organically, or is that something you very intentionally? Uh, p- built or purposed or both? Both. Or <laughs> both. Yeah, um, yeah o- organic because that's who we are and then observation about what is fruitful and what helps people grow um, is the strategic part. But it's who we are and I think it's that's really important that it's not us just trying to set out to reach young people, although I think that's good. We, we organically think that way and we want that. And when we don't get it, we feel that something needs to be tweaked or adjusted. And then young people start coming in again. 
And so that's the strategic part is that we know that there should be that. You know, I, I, I just think young people should love Jesus. I just I mm. think young people, kids growing up love Jesus. In the teenage years, maybe they get a little bit, um, I don't know, not so interested. And in, in university years, they should be interested. And young adults going to work and having children. And I think there should be interest in Jesus. So when there's not, I do think we need to be strategic and ask questions about why is there gaps in us reaching this group or that group um, of the generation? Um, and I think we, I think, yeah, we've got to be strategic. I just love that scripture that talks about that the children just love to come to Jesus, <laughs> and uh, the the disciples said, "Oh, you know, keep them away." And Jesus said, "No, no, no, this is this is this is you know part of the reason why I came." Um, I think we've got to have that heart for kids and for young people that we brought because Jesus is so amazing. Hey, really, really, you know, I'm I'm older. I'm sixty two. Um, I still love Jesus and I think he's relevant for this generation and I want to present him to this generation in a way that they go, wow, Jesus really is amazing. So I don't know what you call that, but that's a, that's, that's a calling. That's a passion. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a strategy. Cause definitely like planning a church in Japan, uh, there was some strategic element to reaching young people there. Correct. Could you speak to correct. a little bit of that? Yeah, so when we came to Japan, we we did a, um, a, a two-week holiday here before we went to Japan. And um, we, we, we saw young people everywhere in Tokyo and Osaka. And uh, we talked to them. They were fun. They were happy. And we said, you know, anything about Jesus? And they go, oh, who's that? And so when we came here, um, we knew we had to have a church for young people. We felt God say. We felt God say, build a church that young people will love to come because if you build it, they'll come. That sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, if you build it, they'll come. If you, if you, if you enable it the, without compromise in, this, in the message, but the, the, the culture is, is warm and inviting, they'll come. So in Japan, there are 7,700 churches of which I think less than 2,000 have a pastor because they're, they're very small and they're very um, elderly congregations with, um, as every year, the congregation gets smaller because the older people go to a nursing home or pass on. And so we came in when there wasn't many churches for young people, but there was a lot of churches for older people. And so when people say to us, why are you building a church for young people? We would say, well, there are a lot of churches for old people. There really are. That You could... You know, there is actually a very thick book of all the churches and their addresses in Japan. Um, this is even before the internet. You could actually look up where a church was in a city or a province. But there's, you could count on a, on one hand or two hands when we arrived here, churches that were reaching young people, um, in, 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 or new young people. Uh, a, few, a number of the churches might have had children of Christians, but very few were winning new people to Christ. So when we came here, it was it was dis- distinctly a calling to start a church to reach a young generation that very few others are reaching. That's strategic, but it's also a call, isn't it? It's a mm-hmm. sense of purpose of why we came. And uh, now we have people of all generations. It's not like it's just for young people. But strategically, the other thing was that it's, it's the young people who are very open to Jesus Christ. Um 
people in their 40s and 50s are pretty set in their lifestyle and ways. And although we pray for them, uh, we didn't see much fruit in that people group. But the young, the university students were wide open and um, loved to hear, loved to, be, loved to be around Bible studies. And so what we felt God called us to do and what the fruit was matched, yeah. it was a, a strategic cultural calling match. You know, is mm-hmm. it all? It all came together. Um, so it's it's almost like a that's what you do, right? And 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 then we show other churches how to do it too. So it's not just us. Hmm. So can we can we go back a little bit to your stumbling blocks? Because I can't I can't leave that without knowing like what what they are. You've you've piqued my interest. So what yeah. what are some of those things that can <clears throat> stop? Uh, young people coming to know God? I think they're a bit similar to what we read in the Gospels. Um, it's it's this concept of law, uh, religion and law, and that being tough and very stern. And um, that usually goes into other things such as um, the way you have to behave or dress or look or whatever. And um, that, that very stern, serious um, form uh, scares young people away, absolutely. Um, we we heard when we first came here that. Um, do you mean Japanese how, young people, or do you mean all all young people? I, I am talking about Japanese young people. Okay, which was our target when we came here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a statistic back then. I'm not sure whether it's true, but they say that about 1,500 Japanese return to Japan every year from overseas as a new Christian. So they're in America, homestay, university, experience. They're invited to church. They receive the Lord somewhere. They come back to Japan looking for a church, 1,500 every year. If that is true, that's amazing. But we've also found we, we've met some of them months and years later saying they couldn't find a church that was like the church they experienced or like that, that the, the environment they experienced. And... Um, when they went to a church, it was it was very stern. Um, now, please understand, um, those Christians are very serious and very zealous for God, and they love the Word of God. So, I'm not talking about criticizing that, but young people are just not going to go there. It's just it's just not going to attract the next generation. It, it it just doesn't. So often they would go and say, "This is not like what we experienced," and they would stop going to church or not not go to church. And so we discovered a number of these people uh, and realized that this, this, this real sternness was a stumbling block to them seeking God. And I would say for me, I got saved at 19 and I've got a, you know, most people know my story around Lifehouse, but I had a six month search window, searching for Jesus window. I was a fireman and I'd almost died in a factory fire and it sent me on a search for God. Six months, a six month search. I read the Bible. I had Christian friends. I asked all my crazy questions. I was on a journey for six months. And if I had met religious people or stern, angry people, it would have been a stumbling block to me. It would have been a, mm. you know, I'm, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for healing. I'm looking for joy. And uh, it, that, that, that sternness would have been a stumbling block. Another stumbling block is language or the, the translation of the Bible even. And I think that um, mm. early on we discovered that 
um, Japan has different levels of, of uh, language. I think every culture does. It's just we don't think about it. But, you know, like if you, you know, the language you use to a boss at work would be different than friends on the beach. So that levels is, is even more so in Japan. Um, and so a, lo- a lot of the translations were even using language that is not used anymore. Um, there's one word to worship, agameru, which is not even used anymore. The young Japanese didn't even know the kanji, didn't even know the how to pronounce it. Um, so it's pretty serious stuff when, when young people are seeking God, but the language is old or high level, like business English, like really high. And again, I think about my journey of six months when I first started my journey, my friends gave me the almost the first copy in Australia of the NIV Bible, New International Version, back in 1979, believe it or not. They gave me that new version, and I actually refused it because earlier in life, say when I was about 14, I'd, I'd seen a King James Bible, and I tried to read it, and it really, I, I, I said I would never read that again. So if they'd given me that, there's nothing wrong with the King James Bible as a translation, it's a good translation. Is just 400 years old language. And so, um, you know, this is not against King James, but it's just about connection. But my friends gave me this brand new translation back then. And as I looked at it, it was, I could read it. It was readable. And uh, just to get a bit cheeky, someone asked me, what, what, Pastor Rod, what, what is the best translation of the Bible? And my answer is the one that you read or the one you yeah. like to read it's is the best answer. translation because you'll keep reading it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing as, as, as a stumbling block, that language is accessible, language is contemporary, language is relatable, and language is readable. It's got to be readable. It's got to be enjoyable. Because when the New Testament was written, it was written in not just Greek language, it was written in what they call Koine Greek, which means common Greek, literally means common Greek. It's the language of the marketplace, the language of the soldier on the field, the language of the people in the streets, and God chose the New Testament to be written in that form of Greek. Um, So to translate into a very high form, I think, is missing the mark. Now, this is a very different discussion, Mm. but I feel it's a stumbling block if we get Bible studies or Bible translations that people won't read. Nothing wrong with the translation, but if people don't read it, we have... I think created a stumbling block in the brain that God is God is old, God is different. He's not my culture. Or even it's this is such a Western thing, such a Western translation that um, Jesus, like for Japanese, might think he's not for Japanese. So we've got to remove those stumbling blocks. And so the opposite of those two stumbling blocks, the opposite of law, is obviously grace and joy and love and fun and. So we, we felt to go the opposite. God said to us, create a church of joy. Um, it was organic and then it was strategic. Organic meaning we just had to do it amongst our little team to survive. And then it was like, hey, this is so much fun. Um, and then with the language thing, we've actually, with the, the, the Bible League in America, we've actually translated the New Testament and almost finished the Old Testament in a new Japanese translation that is very contemporary, not slang, just very good friendship language. And uh, we believe that is going to be such a blessing to people who 
want to read about Jesus Christ. So that's two stumbling blocks, and there's probably others, but I, I think they're real. They're, they're real things. Mm. And so, so when you say the, the sternness, so w- would you say like the opposite of that is joy? Is that uh-huh. is that a? I, I don't want to say that because in some cultures sternness might be warm. Right. Um, I know that sounds strange, but I've been okay. in some cultures like that. But in Japan, sternness means tough authoritarians. Okay. Or a university lecturer just going on and on. And and so there's a there's an association with something that's not attractive. Mm. I've seen very stern meetings in some society, especially when there's persecution, where it, it just is it is a tough life. And sternness is also mixed though with emotion. Um, so it looks stern, but all of a sudden people are crying or people are laughing. And you've got to sit back and think, okay. I take note of that. They know their culture. They know what's going on. Mm. But in Japan, um, that is not a good draw card for people yep. seeking God. And of course, there's exceptions. Of course, there are. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, most churches that are stern in Japan do not see young people coming in large numbers. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, yep. Nothing wrong with them. It just they're just not going to attract another generation very well. It's hard. Okay. How how did, like for you moving to Japan with young kids, how did that play a yeah. part in, in this? And what's what's the story yeah. of Montenegro and yeah. them so, growing so up? Our, uh, in, in Toowoomba, we had a, a great church, a large church, and we had hundreds of kids in kids' church. So my kids went from like classes, like age groups of say 30 or something. At Japan, it was just my two kids <laughs> in kids' church. It was probably one of the hardest things we had to deal with. Um, and only later did we realize, like my boys were nine and four when we arrived. Monty's nine, Richie was four. Um, only later did Monty say that he was very upset, even angry that we'd moved from Australia and all his friends and his dog and his, you know, all this to just, just him and Richie and mm. uh, as a kid's church and only later. But when we started seeing young Japanese, 18, 19, 20 year old getting saved and then some people were getting baptized, Monty had his own revelation. And he said, dad, I know why you came to Japan now, which is pretty cool. Hey, great story. How old was he when that, when he said that? About, about 12, mm. about 12, a few okay. years later. Um, but I mean, he's a great kid. He wasn't angry at God or anything. He just didn't understand. And, um, but we realized when we had two kids, we had to make Sunday kids church really fun for them. So we would do things there. We would bring out certain toys or certain activities that we would not, not do at home. It was Sunday activities. It was kids church activities that they would look forward to, whether it was certain books or some of our young people were a lot of fun. And so they would know that there's going to be some fun young Australians with them and then some fun young Japanese. And But we always took it seriously. Even with two, we created Kids Church. And it, it was just n- no uh, no exceptions. Every week was going to have a Kids Church. They were not going to be in the service with us. They were going to go out. They stayed for the worship. Then they went out, went to the park, played games, did craft. did, And Viv was great at that because she ran our Kids Church in Australia. So we had all these, uh, you know, uh, 
things, ideas. And then there was a young Australian that also helped Viv and became a great helper um, with two kids. And then one other kid joined. <laughs> one of the girls that got saved, her, young, her nephew came. And um, for years, it was only those three. But those three became good buddies and um, really loved each other. And then, you know, the kids' church started to grow. But the, the, the point is I, we, we, we decided to have a church from the beginning that our kids would love that our kids would want to come to, that our kids would think that God was good. We wanted to create that right from the beginning, and it wasn't dependent on big resources. It was dependent upon our heart for them, and then others came, and then we started seeing others' kids saved. and uh, So now we've got a lot of kids right through LifeHouse, but we had to create that when there was two, and we were committed to it. And... um, I still remember, you know, Viv sitting at home cutting out things for Sunday morning, and and there's there's her two kids there, and then they're going to be the same two kids on Sunday morning, and thinking, how are you going to keep this interesting? Um, and again, let me say that there was activities and things that were only for Sunday, and then we brought in young Australians and young Japanese who were just fun to make the Sunday experience different. Um, but we were committed to that, and I just think it's so important that our kids love church. That church is a good experience in every way. Can I ask, you said that Monty uh, said to you that, I don't know, he was upset that he was taken away from his friends. And and I, I understand that because I moved countries when I was 12 and I that first year I really didn't enjoy it. Um, when you heard that as a parent, that that must have been hard in some way to, to I don't know, to hear that from your boy. What what were you guys thinking at the, at the time, and how did you well, we, kind of put? Well, we only heard it yeah. after his revelation oh. of why we we're in Japan. Okay, he he kept it to himself, and um, I mean he's a fun kid, Monty. You know him, and so he's mm. going to have fun with anyone anywhere. So he liked Japan, and he liked Japanese. Mm-hmm. We he loved our family, and we liked the experience, and he liked the church. He just didn't know why we'd done this. And, mm. and, and pulled him out of that. But he never said that. He never came home and said, Dad, Mom, I don't like Japan or I don't like this. No, he never, okay. never. And he's very social. So wherever he goes, and he went to, sorry, this is another important thing. He did go to an American Christian school. So his education was in English. He did have friends from all over the world at that school. You know, one of his good friends was from um, Finland. Another one was from... America, another one was from Japan. So he, he's very social. So it wasn't a bad experience. And, and there was good sports and there was good, good music and a lot, a lot of good things for kids. But we didn't realize there was this thing that he sort of, like, why, why did we do this? But then God spoke to him. And it actually wasn't years later. It was probably only a year later. Um, he, he saw people baptized. He saw people loving God. He saw our music team. He saw our fun. And got, and we talk about journaling, even with kids, just reading a verse and saying, God, speak to me. And God spoke to him and said, Monty, I've called you and your parents to come for this season. Now, we're not saying Monty was called to Japan himself, although mm. he is now. Mm. Um, our kids don't have to follow our calling. But while they're under our care, we want them to, you know, love our, our life and love our church and so build a church for the next generation. 
And let me say that that also meant that we also had to um, bring protection because being only two kids and also foreign kids, there was a lot of people wanted to um, be with them. And so we also had to have a, um, a, a system where they weren't taken out of the building by someone, a nice person, but just take, like there was rules. You had to tell us if you were going to take them out of the room and you had to, uh, we had to have safety um, mm. because they were like very popular and people, oh, come over here, which is nice, but it's our responsibility to make sure our kids are safe. And so Viv and I always had this rule that one of us was in sight of them or one of our people had been given authority to be inside of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're talking so about we, on Sunday, yeah, like in, ch- in church. Yep. I am. I am. And, and so we didn't actually have to be with them, but there had to be delegated authority that would take responsibility that they were in eyesight. Um, but that sounds a bit over the top for some people, but I think any parent here over years would say, you know, mm-hmm. we realize you've got to do that. Um, and so our boys were always safe and um, always loved. In fact, um, funny story when we're in Australia, when Richie was probably three, um, we realized he's, he was, people at church were giving him candy all the time. He'd come home and eat candy. So who gave you the candy? And he, they'd tell us. And then he started to get holes in his first teeth, like he's not his second teeth, um, which wasn't good. It was bad by the time we noticed. And we said to all those families, please don't give Richie candy. Like his teeth, mm. it's not, not good. But a lot of parents secretly, Richie, Richie, and they'd give him candy. And, um, Years later, he told us he had all this candy under his mattress at home. He used to just suck on candy and his teeth really rotted, his first teeth. And um, so that's a, that's a funny story. But, but kids that are treated too special like that um, without restraint um, is, is not what we wanted for our kids. We wanted mm. our kids to be treated pretty normal. Um, yeah. And so we, that's just, that was just our philosophy. Others don't have to do that, but our philosophy was our kids are not superstars. They're kids um, mm-hmm. and, and treat them like kids, have fun and, and don't give them candy because <laughs> their teeth fall out. Mm. You know what I'm no. talking about, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and I get it because with, with, with my unique family makeup, like if we go anywhere with our four boys that are all very similar in age and all kind of look the same, yeah. like people want to <laughs> touch your kids and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of love in it, but yeah, you, you've got to kind of set some boundaries and, and uh, yeah, watch, watch closely. Yep. You're responsible. Yep. Mm. So it sounds like uh, what you're saying is really you took you took the kids' side of church very seriously from day one, even though the, the beginning was just your kids. And uh, absolutely, we mm. we we knew that we knew we had to take care of our kids and 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 give them a good experience. Um, I'm just so glad that Viv had some skills and some resources, some actually cut out things and whatever we we brought. Um, or found and or found online or whatever, um, and then other team members came in with a heart for kids. But um, if if you don't have a person like that, um, you, if you've got, got to do very basic basic ideas, like the park is always going to be good, and you know, mm. um, simple games and um, 
you know, music. Uh, our, our kids, by the way, love our music. Hey, they love our music, our, our worship music, and they sing it. And they, um, we did one called the Lord's Prayer um, in English, and went to Japanese and other languages. And um, kids still sing it. Adults sing it. So there's just something about you know fun songs and just little ideas can be so powerful. So what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be a highly developed curriculum or kids' church ideas. Just just a basic team are amazing, joy, fun, simple, and away you go, kids' church. Mm. I um, We've got a new uh, campus emerging in Pakistan, and um, I'd love to see what they do there because um, that's a very different country. And... Uh, but I, I noticed that, they, that the kids hold up their craft and it's so simple. It's a piece of paper with a, another piece of paper on it that turns or something. But the kids are just, yeah, look what we did. And, and I just look at that and think that was a very simple idea that created a very fun day. That's what I'm talking about. The, you know, not going overboard on resources. Um, mm. I mean, any, any church can do that if they've got the money, but um, that's not the key. The key is other kids actually enjoying it. And and so that's real fun to see our Pakistan uh, campus with hundreds of kids when they do stuff. It's really amazing. Mm. Another example is our Bali church. I was just there a few weeks ago and right. um, the, the amount of non-Christian families or, or not yet Christian families is phenomenal. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. And I walked into the kids. They had, had more in the kids' area than in the big church, the, the adult church. And the kids' church had all the, f- the parents of these kids. It's just a, it's a scene. And they were, they were doing a cutout. And you know, the, our two girls were up there with a microphone with 100 people saying, okay, now turn it to the left and cut there. And, and there's buzz in the room. And um, I think we, you know, we, we were able to uh, have kids' church for these 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 seekers again very simple ideas but the girls leading were full of joy and now we do this and now and i just saw that i thought that that's it that's that's the spirit of of kids church and of young people enjoying church yeah so the good news is it doesn't take a lot of resource or a huge production value or anything like Mm. that it's it's really the heart of the leaders and and, and loving it and fun and creating little yeah. moments for kids. Yeah, and I think living in this generation where we've got so much online and there's some great, um, one Christian group called One Hope, a lot of free materials, a lot of downloads. So it's not you don't even have to draw something. You can just go to pages. Uh, I'm talking about free stuff here, um, not breaking copyright, but just free stuff and download it and photocopy it. Two kids or 30 kids, there's the craft. And I just think in this day and age, um, just a five-minute search would be, you know, the next thing, the next idea, or a group together. So, yeah, I, I don't, especially today, more than ever, I don't think we need a big budget for some things to be successful. Okay. Awesome. Well, it sounds like we can all do that, um, no matter what kind of church we're in. Uh, I'd love to get a little bit more of your thoughts around uh, how basically loving kids and building church you know to ha- to help them can influence different like parts of ministries involved in the church in church life worship and things like that so maybe we do a part yeah. two mm. <laughs> how about we sure. do that let's, let's do, do that, that. Okay, all right mate. thanks thanks everyone we'll see you on the next one
Bye-bye.